What's up, guys? Rachel Lindsay here, and I am teaming up with your favorite Ringer podcasters to deliver the Bravo drama and news that you've been craving on Morally Corrupt. It's the show about all things Bravo, from the housewives to summer house and everything in between. We'll be mentioning it all every week. Check it out on Spotify and theringer.com. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. It's the Prestige TV Podcast. My name is Bill Simmons. I am here with Chris Ryan. Big yes, sir. We are doing episode three and four, really more four, of We Own This City. Happy Wayne Jenkins Day, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Jenkins, the last two episodes, has moved into a very, very short list for me. Pantheon TV characters, anti-heroes. He's put it all together. We felt like the ingredients were there. And then these last two episodes. And listen, there's a lot of sobering stuff that happened in these last two episodes. Yep. There's a lot of plot stuff that happened. We're going to get to all of it. But just I just want to talk about Wayne Jenkins first. This is a force of nature performance-wise that is very, very rare for television. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> the whole episode, episode four... Um, where the Finding Forrester dude is basically setting up. He's explaining to you the escalation of insanity of Wayne Jen Jenkins and his behavior and his lawlessness and his recklessness and all of that. And like legitimately horrible things. Old people dying in car crashes. Yeah. Like planting guns and drugs on people. Like just... Stripper, the, strippers getting robbed. That's where I was going. Like, and it builds to... The worst of the worst, the lowest of the low, this guy taking a small per a small person stripper into the boom boom room and robbing them and thinking it was the funniest, coolest, most badass shit he'd ever done. The way they set that up was just mwah, chef's kiss. You guys and aren't even mentioning the fact that this character says the name of the show 
in the show. Oh, oh yes. I had it. I had it. And Bill's special is so good that it actually pulls it, it off perfectly. when he goes, we own the city. And you're like, God damn it, Burnfall. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever rooted for a worse person in a TV show. And I'm not even rooting for him. I just want him to I be in every scene. just want him to be scene. on screen more. Yeah. You just want him to be on screen the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. More Burnthal. Um, I thought episode three, when they raid, uh, what was that? The car wash or the mm-hmm. auto body thing or whatever. It's a car and wash. Yep. That whole, Chris, just do some of the lines from that scene. Because that's well, when Burnthal's like, hey, guys. That's We're taking the, this to 11 starting right now. Jamie Hector and Bernthal go into this car wash and essentially like tear it apart. And Jamie Hector's character, Sean Suter, finds guns and money and drugs. Oh, yeah. And no, drugs. Of hold course. On. You, you didn't set that up enough. Okay. They're, so, they're throwing. Bernthal is getting madder and madder. They have the guy sitting down. He's starting to break stuff because he knows stuff's there. Right. This guy's Sean, calling him names. Yeah, they're He's going back and mad. forth. It's getting testy. And then Sean Suter's like, That's hey man, not a there's table. something up with this table. I don't yeah. think this is a table. And so then Bernthal flips it over. They discover all this stuff. And he goes on to be like, you just imagine yourself getting the greatest pep talk of all time from your coworker <laughs> of this guy. Be like, damn, I didn't know how I was here for suck fucking super cop. Yeah. And just, <laughs> You, know, you got guns, you got money, and a motherfucking brick. It's <laughs> it's it's fantastic. And the beauty of that scene is like they're showing you like you can be a cop the other way, and it's perfectly fine, and you'll get stuff done. You don't have to break people's flat screens because you don't want to do the actual work yeah. of actually searching this guy, the, the freaking premises, right? Like it's so beautiful how they show that. And then, you know, they just continue to show that, like, Bernthal's terrible behavior just continues to be rewarded at every freaking turn. That part where he gets made sergeant and he pulls up on these... On and he's the, doing um, the Roger Rabbit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he flexes and he shows the stripes and he's smacking his stripes. It's just perfect. Yeah, he's a wrestler. He's like a great wrestling heel. Uh, you have you have the Patron, you have that scene. Pat, oh, you yeah. have <laughs> Patron, whatever he says. You have he's drinking spiked iced tea. It, basically, Mike's hard lemonade. Yeah. yeah, we used to do that back in the days. Unfortunately, the genesis of his evil basically comes down to being made fun of that his crabs weren't expensive enough at the barbecue. <laughs> and it's honestly every decision he makes comes from that moment. Where he was made to feel small because he got the medium-sized crappy crabs. And he's like, that's never happened to me again. I don't care how many rules I have to break. But then, you know, the back and forth stuff, Chris, with the narrative, which I have a lot of trouble following, but now I'm used to because you can really gauge it by the hair and the facial hair on Berthal. And that's how you know. But it all paid off, I thought, in episode three with that scene that we just broke down. The car Suter Because yeah. when he's looking at him, like, are you going to have some of this? And the pressure. And then... The, just the way they pulled that off where it's like, oh, I get it. These yeah. are why dirty cops go dirty because they feel like they're risking their lives every day. They don't get enough back and they're just going to skim off the top. And now it's like becomes degrees of how much am I going to skim? Am I going to be evil skimmer? Am I going to take a little? And you just, just see the look on just Jamie Hector's- Just a little Hector's, bit of attacks. Yeah, the know? Jamie Hector's, his face where he's just like, oh shit, this is like a real moment for me. What- what kind of cop do I want to be? I thought that was just an incredible five minutes. I thought even a more telling scene was that scene where Bernthal does do the We Own This City speech. 
But the whole thing that they're talking about is what your base salary is versus yes. what your overtime is. Mm. And it's like you want this really black and white, like these guys cross the line, these guys are evil, these guys are corrupt or whatever. But it's it's just fucking like they're just doing math and they're just like, I want to make more overtime. When they want to goose our crime stats by offering us days off to get more arrests, I don't want a day off. I want more overtime. Like these guys are all like the way that they think about this stuff is the way that like anybody who with on a basically an hourly job would think about their work. And they're, everything is about how much am I going to like, how much effort am I going to put forward versus the reward I'm bringing in? And that's like, there's a trope that comes out throughout the show where they're just like, make it easy. If you make it easy on me, I'll make it easy on you. If you make me destroy this car wash looking for the drugs that I'm going to find anyway, I'm just going to come down harder on you. But if you help me out, I'll help you out. It's yeah. like all this stuff is like this economy of favor trading. And it's kind of just amazing to watch take place over real time. But then you juxtapose that with the Freddie Gray stuff that happens in episode four. And you just realize like how like hollow that system is when actually confronted with I don't know, with actual rage, with actual, like, with actual feelings of, of a community. So the feds are interrogating the semi, you know, benevolent, dirty cop, right? Who's right. like, look, my, my, my wife is BPD. I, like, I couldn't go crazy with this stuff. Like, yeah, I got scared when we were taking five, 6,000 off of cats because I was used to just taking 50 off of a corner boy. Like, give me that 50. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go to freaking TGI Fridays afterwards and keep it pushing. He was like... The escalation scared me. And then they, and then they're like, well, you heard he was dirty. You heard he was messed up. Why'd you join the union? Anyway, he's like, bro, the, the OT spigot was open with him. Like, it's obvious, right? Like, it's not these, like, these guys are cartoonish, cartoonishly evil guys. It's like, of course I want to make $130,000 as opposed to $55,000 this year. Like, it's like they make it so obvious and plain. And then, like you said about Freddie Gray... They show you the environment that allows it to get sort of a little out of control yeah. when it's like, these are the only guys who were, quote, I like the phrase that they use, getting out of their squad cars, right? Where you could just patrol the beat, just drive around, do whatever, and go home every day and just, you know, basically spend your time collecting paychecks. Or you could get your fingernails dirty, right? <laughs> and you could get this OT, and they were like, there was a bunch of guys who didn't want to do anything because they felt like, you know, the powers that be sort of scapegoated them and made them to be like these evil idiots. And they're like, fine, I'm not going to do the job. And Wayne and them was just like, no, we're going to do everything. And because we're the only ones doing it, we get even more leeway. I love how they set that up when they were like, why would you do that? Why, you heard he was dirty. Why would you do it? He's like, the money, duh. Yeah, the promotion. <laughs> to be on the gun taste gun trace task force yeah. is basically like getting into a division one program. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, and you take the money, <laughs> you're cop robbers. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I think after we did the first two, I, all of us were like, we all really liked this show. Yeah. It was also a hard show to follow. It had some narrative stuff. It went back and forth, but there was enough in it. There's enough DNA where I was like, I'm in on the show. I, I can't wait to see where it goes. This is a good show. I think this is a great show. Yeah. yeah. I actually Me think, too. Especially the Freddie, which I really want to go into the Freddie Gray stuff, but um, how they built to that Freddie Gray, that 10 minute sequence. Mm -hmm. And then you look back at what we watched for three and a half episodes with the payoff being that and all the stuff Simon does. He did this in The Wire too. He loves to make you like characters who aren't good people. 
Yeah, right? but there's there's it's, no oh, sequence it, in the wire like this. The Freddie Gray. Sequence. Well, but yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like he's paying off with Bernthal, where it's like I don't want to like this guy, but he's so much fun on TV. This is a this is a TV show. I'm enjoying the antihero thing. But then now all of a sudden with Freddie Gray, there's real stakes, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh my god, this is this is a whole other level. What he's able to capture with the two sides staring at each other and how much emotion and anger there is, it pays off because of the first three and a half, all the terrible shit we saw these cops do. And then it builds to that moment and you're like, oh my God, it's just, it's so well done. It's so well set up. I was just, I was really impressed. I think it's as good as anything he did with The Wire. I really do. The stuff that they're doing, like when, I think that you're right. You, you know, the the narrative is complicated. The narrative can be a little confusing at times. You're basically hanging on to like whether Bernthal's got a mustache or it seems like his hair's got highlights or not. And then you get to the Freddie Gray sequence and just the way that they build it up. And Ronaldo Marcus Green basically, you know, is unlike any director I don't think that Simon's worked with before where he puts so much visceral energy into that sequence from the moment when Bernthal's just like, fuck this, we're getting in this fight at the office and gets in his minivan with his with his other other cop and they drive like crazy down to the to the to the scene and Bernthal's like they're gonna hurt us we're gonna hurt them more I think is the line he uses and he's got no helmet on but when you hear that line you're just like this isn't this isn't like any kind of public service this isn't like any kind of like any kind of offer of community protection or community like anything it's just a a a fight no he's he's offended like he he's not even looking at it as a protect the city way. He's offended that their spot is being threatened. Yeah, right. and he's like ready to go. He's like, I don't want want a fucking helmet. Let's go ask it's these territory guys. Territory type yeah, of situation. Territory. Yeah. Like he's he's protecting the the territory. And man, and again, the show was doing just amazing work and just explaining a period of time in a specific place where you know even somebody like me who. Not going to lie, just like as a black kid who grew up in New York City, I'm not the biggest police fan ever. Um, but I watch people burning shit down and fucking shit up. I'm like, damn, did you did you have to fuck all of that shit up? <laughs> right? Like, even me, who is like as anti-cop as is probably going to get, what the show is explaining to you is like, yo, they bring you to that courtroom where they can't even get anybody to be a juror because everybody's so biased against the cops. It's like, no, this is what they did in the city that made people go nuts. Like, they didn't just wake up one day and want to start breaking shit. It's like, no, it's a system that's perpetuating all these injustices against everybody in the community. You know, it's not just concentrated to one part. They're getting everybody. They fucking everybody up, robbing everybody. And then it culminates in this huge moment. So I love that they explain, like, this is how you get a riot, you know? Like, like they show you all of the stuff that leads to the police, the environment that leads to the police behaving this way. They show you the consequences of that. And then they show you the aftermath. Like, they just put all the pieces together. It's just beautiful. Also, I mean, what's the the line I think Rob Brown has where he's just like, Wayne just loved going after dudes with backpacks. Backpacks. (laughs) Backpacks. And he was just like, Wayne really had something for guys with backpacks. It was just like he always thought he could get something out of a guy with a backpack. And it's just like, no fucking wonder this happened then. You know what I mean? If you've got a cop out there. That's not exactly police work. Yeah. It's like Sherlock Holmes is not out there. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, all the examples we see of Wayne's policing 
are increasingly winding up with him basically needing to frame the suspect to get away with it. Mm -hmm. But like, they're all like on the edge. Like they're just like him rolling up on somebody with no probable cause, with really no intention of actually doing any good. He's looking to tax somebody. He's looking to get a quick arrest, even if that person gets released. So I just think that the entire depiction of the criminal justice system and, and the way that that city was working at the time is masterful. The planting scenes. They were, there was planting stuff in the wire, not as good as the two planting scenes in episode four, where he, he's calling. It's almost like he's on Postmates ordering like a pizza. He's like, like hey, man, can you get yeah. a gun down here? Can you, uh, oh, cool, you be in 10 minutes? All right, great. And then they're throwing the gun and it's like so obvious. And then you have the people being being like, wait a second, they planted, they planted that. Um, I just don't remember it being that effective in a TV show. I, we, we've seen planting scenes before, and, but the, the buildup was great. We don't have this conversation enough when we're talking about the cops and why they need to be held to a high standard. Because it's like, the, the, the concept is that like these dudes are doing this essential job and they have to be trusted for all of it. to Like once the trust is lost, we can't do anything else, right? Like, once you can't get 12 jurors to believe that evidence wasn't planted or a cop isn't lying on the stands, like, everything breaks down afterwards. And so, like, this is why this is, like, the worst thing a cop could be doing, right? Like, it's, it just breaks down the public trust. And so, the public has to be a participant in, you know, justice, right? Like, they got to talk to cops when a crime happens to give them information about what they saw, what they heard, who they think might have done it. They have to sit on juries. Like, the public has to participate in the process. And so when, <laughs> when this dude is just planting heroin on people and everybody knows somebody who got drugs planted on them or their cousin did or their brother did or their brother got robbed or all of this stuff got jammed up for no reason... Everything breaks down and, and they're just meticulously putting together all of the parts that make for a complete breakdown in public trust. Chris, you know what I was thinking after this episode four? We talked on the other two pods we did about this show. We were saying it's like the spiritual, what do we say? Like yeah. cousin of the wire? Yeah, yeah. That it, it had a, like a spiritual connection to the wire. Right. This is the son of the wire. He <laughs> graduated shows, into direct lineage. Like, yeah. I told my dad, because my dad loved The Wire, and, I, and he wasn't watching me on the city. And he asked me if it was good. This was a couple weeks ago. And I was like, yeah, it's good. You should watch it. But I didn't like give him the hard sell. And after episode four, especially, I, I was just like, Dad, you have to watch <laughs> this. This is, this is the epilogue to The Wire. And I think what's so cool about it, and we've seen, you know, we've seen other TV shows try to take stuff that happened in the last five years and move it into storytelling, right? Like, I think Atlanta has been really clumsy this year and Van and Charles Holmes have been breaking it down and Van and Rember did too, where they had a specific idea for the season and they've tried to do it and it's been all over the place and there's been good shows, bad shows. This was like Simon was like the perfect person in Pelicano to, to, to basically take everything that happened the last six, seven years and do it the right way, right? With the, with just like TLC, not like trying to exploit anything, but just trying to explain, here's how we got to these points. Here's all the ways the system is broken. And it's a lot like what he did with The Wire, honestly. Like, especially season three and season four. Season four was my favorite season of The Wire, where over the course of, what, 12 episodes, he explains how the school system is so fucked up. 
and it's not it's not one episode. It's got to be twelve, and you need to go up and down with the characters, and that's why I think this show is just so crucial, especially whether you love The Wire or not, and you don't need, have need to watch The Wire to watch this, but I do feel like if you like The Wire, if you cared about it, I don't know why you wouldn't be watching the show. So like, I've been obviously talking about Better Call Saul a lot, its relationship to Breaking Bad as it ends. You know, we talk so much about franchises around the whole Ringer podcast network, Star Wars and Marvel stuff. So we're always aware of like the sort of anxiety of going next and what are you setting up and what happened before but when you think about like when you were watching The Wire, it's actually really useful to watch The Wire along with We Own This City because when you see how militarized and how cowboy shit these cops are in this show compared to the way we think of like Bunk and McNulty. Yep. You know, like when you think about That's these chicken dudes shit. rolling around with their bulletproof vests on 24-7, getting out of unmarked Ford Mustangs to jack up dealers and that's like the top of the line policing in Baltimore at this point. Like, granted, this is happening in a semi-fictional universe or whatever, but like, just think about how your ideas about policing have evolved from when you started watching The Wire to now, you know, and the depiction of like yeah. their behavior. It's actually incredibly useful to think about this in the context of The Wire. Yeah, and I was talking to somebody this weekend and they, like, I don't know if it was a critique, it was an observation. They were like, well... They felt like maybe David Simon might have felt like um, he made the wire was a bit of propaganda, and this is like an atonement for that. But like mm. to be honest, me watching the wire, I never felt that way. Um, it felt like he was explaining like the cops and the criminals basically behave in many of the exact same ways, right? Like they get these orders from the brass and they try to do the people that are in charge or at the top and they try to work it so that they can figure it out and, and not get fired or in the case of the drug dealers, not get killed. Um, I never I never felt like I was watching cops being valorized on The Wire. I mean, the, wire you, got, the Wire got criticized for valorizing the, uh, the villains. Drug that's dealers. what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, I mean, like, it took more shit for that than the cop again. I'm with you. I... I I don't I don't agree with that theory. Yeah. I just I just think he's telling this story of like motherfuckers who literally were robbing these dudes. Well, were, so the interesting they were thing bank robbers damn here. In the yeah, wire, and that's also true. The wire, everybody is kind of like a product of this system. And whether or not they're basically going along with this system or trying to buck against the system. So McNulty and String are going against the system. But you know, then there are people who kind of like perfectly operated within it, like Marlowe, right? And Marlo is just like, I'm just like the next iteration of, of Avon. This show is kind of like the system is in such tatters. It's so broken that bad actors like Wayne don't actually know that they're bad actors. You know what I mean? Like they're right. It's not that you think Wayne is cool, but you're almost like this dude has like maximum self-awareness. It's just that he's self-aware that this is the way you get to make $150,000 and put your kid into like private school or whatever it is he wants to be doing or get those crabs and stuff. Get a hot tub in your crib. Pay you know, all his boys. You know, yeah. And pay all his boys and keep, yeah. I mean, that, that whole, and you can see the slippery slope where it starts with taxing dealers. Then it starts with planting evidence and taking large sums of money. And now he's got this, I mean, the character that they've got playing the bail bondsman who's only ever wearing Ray Lewis jerseys. <laughs> yeah, he is a great character. And he's like, I just deal a little bit of coke. And he's just like, well, I got all this oxy from the Freddie Gray 
riots. And it's just like, dude, like where do you find a character like that? Where it's just like, <laughs> this Ray Lewis motherfucker is going to sell your oxy for you now? This is crazy. But the Bill Bondsman thing is like a real thing. There yeah, was a Bill Bondsman yeah. that was part of some of their drug dealing stuff. And 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 that's the thing that I think I just mean like the, the actor who they found to play that. Oh, whoever oh, he's, that he's is, incredible. Is where I'm just like, where did you find this guy? By the way, Bernthal's Baltimore accent. Can we can we talk about it? Like as the episodes go on, it's getting better and better and more and more pronounced yeah. to yeah. where it's just like this is incredible. And and obviously we all know when we hear the twos, <laughs> yeah. we all laugh a little bit inside, but it's even beyond that with him. He is just on fire with the the accent. And the bail bondsman is an incredible Baltimore too. We're you know, going into the casino. Yeah. <laughs> with the uh Bernthal, it's like, like I don't even think this is a criticism, but if somebody wanted to criticize him, it's like he's too charismatic. He's yeah. too amazing of a character. And yeah. I my answer to that would be I think somebody, one of these guys has to be charismatic. You almost need like the leader. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a cult leader where it's mm-hmm. like, this is the worst of all of these guys. He sees the chessboard in a different way yep. and he has the charisma to try to rope them into doing this increasingly evil shit. Like, I actually think he needs to be that way, but we're just talking about like the great evil characters ever. I think he's on the list now. I, I think like he's if we're man. ever like sitting around one day, we're like, hey man, who are who are the like just best evil characters you've ever seen on a TV show? I this would be one of the ones that jumped to mind for me. Man, the way he's the the way he plays with language again, like when he's code switching, when he's talking to the black dudes, or when he's talking to right. the Bell's bondsmen, or when he's talking to the cops that are having a little barbecue you know, drinking Patron and all of that. Like, he's, he has his, like, when he's talking to the black dudes, he's often using these, like, hip-hop vernaculars. Like, yeah, I'm going to keep it 100 with or you. Or he says, yes, sir. Do- yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's incredible, these little subtleties. And, and again, like, somebody who can pull this off has to be, obviously, that charismatic and just that mat- magnetic. You know what I mean? And, and, and that stuff is enjoyable as well. You know, um, I've been trying not to read too much because about this show because I really want to like just hmm. have my own thoughts and opinions on it and not be have it tailored by eight people writing about it. But I was really interested to see how they did the Freddie Gray stuff, hmm. especially in the city of Baltimore, how they used the extras. What was the mood of the city where you have this TV show being like, hey, we're basically going to recreate the Freddie Gray thing. Is everybody cool with it? And apparently... The Wire has so much cachet in Baltimore and so there's so much wow. trust with the filmmakers that they were able wow. to do it. But, you know, it's you think like that's a really painful yeah. wound yeah. to reopen and just go in the city and use the locals and things like that. But I think that speaks to how important the the Wire was and how important Simon and his crew is just to the city because I think, I just think they're they're probably really respected. So that's how they were able to do it. I thought that was interesting. That rings true because, and obviously this is a lot different, but I think about 9-11 and the memorial that's downtown. I've never been. I just have no interest in going and reliving that. Like, it's so, like, like I can clearly remember what that felt like. So, like, the the idea of revisiting that is not something that I want to do in a museum or whatever. Um, So, you know, people being like, man, this was some traumatic shit. 
people like really felt shaken by this event and be like, nah, we think David Simon and them know what the hell they doing. And we're right. going to let them rock. That's amazing. For and it's real. like, you know, they're using Freddie Gray. They're using that day as a kind of example as of why Wayne was up to a point bulletproof, right? Because it's the, what they say is that if you want to know what happened into them looking into Wayne, Freddie Gray happened. And then they do the day of like Wayne base basically being like, you know, he was a hero that day. Bought the fried chicken. To the cops, he was. Right. Yeah, 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 right. He's yeah. like, he's like the greatest coach of all time. He's giving prep pep talks. He's bringing in food and orange slices and everything. So he's doing it all. And then that, I think we're obviously supposed to see at the end when he's given that speech at the restaurant that he's kind of come out on the other side of that with a lot of credibility with the higher ups. So it's actually a kind of a very subtly dark way of looking at that to be like this was actually a great advantage to crooked cops was to have this situation with the Freddie Gray response. But then you look at the other end, like the show episode four starts with this poor old couple that's yeah. just driving somewhere <laughs> and the guy who's driving is dead because this guy's an asshole. You know, and then we have the thing later where, um, where, when they point the gun the second time, same thing, like just like, <laughs> he's just wreaking havoc. <laughs> In the worst yeah. possible ways, and, you've and got he's cops getting promoted. Up just being like, this motherfucker the didn't have. There's no gun here. Like I know that. Right. And he's just like, look for the gun. And he's just like, all right, Wayne. Yeah, like we'll. we'll he so, pointed right at me. Does it feel like Jamie Hector's character is going to be the key guy in these last two episodes? Is I it, think so. They, he hasn't testified yet. Yeah, are they dropping the breadcrumbs for that? Uh, yeah, I think I think that the Jamie Hector character is going to get be important. But I also think I'm really curious to see whether or not there is a. Uh, sort of extensive Jenkins interrogation because all these other characters have kind of mm -hmm. gone through the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so far, we Jenkins has just been like, do you know who I am and shit like that. So it's like, look, Carolina versus Bernthal would be, be great. Do we want more from Carolina in this show or is she intentionally stripping it down? I think everything is stripped down. I just listened to, to her interview um, that she did before this show um, on the HBO's officials um, podcast joint. And she was like, the lady who she's portraying was like, I don't wear makeup to work. I keep my hair in a ponytail every day. I wear men's shoes. I try to be as comfortable as possible. I basically just go in there and do what I do. I'm not a character. <laughs> mm. That's what the lady told her. That's what the Fed told her. And so, so it makes sense as to why she's sense. executing it that way. How about uh, the Josh Charles character? It feels like his minutes per game just isn't high. Yeah, br they bring him in, and he's like Davis Bertans. He just comes in and hits a couple. <laughs> he's threes like Bielika. Yeah, just, yeah. Just shoots <laughs> immediately. Feels like he has to pay off at some point because they built that character as like Wayne Jenkins is fucking evil, but this guy is like maybe another level of evil. So I don't know what to expect from him. He's do they're doing a lot of um, what you would call it too face acting. Like, Berthold has this thing that he does where he's, like, puckering his lips after he says something because he just knows he delivered, like, some game on the people who are listening to what he had to say. And the same with Josh Charles. Like, he just looks like a bastard. Right. Even when he's not even speaking. He's he resting can, bitch face. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Damn, I didn't realize I was working with Super Cop. Super Cop? <laughs> And a motherfucking brick. <laughs> and a brick. <laughs> oh, my God. That's some good-ass police work, Sean. 
Yeah, it's it's one of the great TV performances I could ever uh, remember. He's so fucking good. It's like we've watching had, we've had Burnthal stock for what a decade. It's, it's like watching so the nice Tom Cruise off. the Tom Cruise Werewolves of London scene in Color of Money if it was four hours long. <laughs> oh my goodness! Just watch this dude dancing around for four hours. It's crazy. How about Happy Wayne Jenkins Day just killed me. He did think he's Wayne going Jenkins third person day. by episode four. He's just calling himself Wayne Jenkins. <laughs> I'm super cop. Yeah. Oh, and man. unironically, the dude goes, that's how I know the department's fucked up. They let people like you make <laughs> some shit. And right. he's saying it unironically. He's like, yeah. it's a joke to him. Oh, well, my God. All right. Perfect. We, we cover everything. We're good, right? Yeah. Yeah, we got all it. All right. Episode three and four. Listen. I, you're probably already watching this show if if, uh, if you listen to that whole podcast. But if you did, he, this is a spread the word show. I think we've officially, I really do that. I get annoyed when people hit me over the head and try to, you, you guys, you, you're not watching it, this weird angry guilt trip thing. But certain shows are pretty special. And I, I think this show, I just think this is a special show. It is. I can't wait to see where it goes. I love the fact that it's only six episodes. They easily, we talked about this in previous podcast, they easily could have padded it, could have had backstory. We could have Carolina. Carolina's a divorced mom. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, need, a nurse. I don't, don't need to know it. about your kids, yeah. your love care. life. I don't care about it. Oh, you're going to a rehab meeting? Oh, all right, yeah. let's go there. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, oh you're going to have a moment outside the rehab center with the, right. with the new the bubbles? One, the one Although, cop who's definitely like recovering alcoholic, whatever, Yeah, demons. wait, this out. If that stuff's we're, all out I of think we should have the right to opt in to seeing Wayne Jenkins try to talk his kid into playing peewee football. I, I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> Fair. Sure. Fair. That, that should be in the deleted, deleted scenes, scenes yeah. or something. Yeah. They could have put that on. What did he say? He's like, he got lit up and now he's spiraling. <laughs> listen, man. The first time, listen, the first time I got hit doing nutcrackers in uh, freshman football, I was like, I don't know if this football <laughs> shit is funny. <laughs> and I was 14. All right, fellas. Happy Wayne Jenkins Day. Um, incredible <laughs> show. Spread the word. This podcast was produced by Bobby Wagner, and we will see you on The Prestige. We are doing the next two episodes. Hell yeah. So we will see you for uh, episode five next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.